Hello and welcome everybody to the Verdant Growth Daily, where we give you the news, tips, and tools you need to live echo. My goal is to help put you in the right mindset to live more in line with your own values and to change your life to make it more fulfilling, sustainable, and balanced. Usually in just 10 unedited minutes a day, but I think today it's going to be about one hour unedited. My name is Eugene and this is episode 32. And today I'm here with a special guest, Joshua Spodek. Josh, how are you? Very good and glad to be back. Excellent. It's good to talk to you. How have you been doing? Very good. Uh, you can tell by my wet hair that I've just done my evening calisthenics and shower. I do take a quick shower before. Oh, today was a cold shower. Oh, really? And uh, to listeners, we've, we've talked about that before because you take cold showers as an environmental thing. Right. But I take cold showers as a... Um, it's like lifting weights, except not the lifting weights. It's got all the dedication and discipline and so forth. Uh-huh. And it costs nothing. That's awesome. Very uh, refreshing. I, okay, so I have not been able to do one in the winter yet, but here's what I did do the other day just to get the experience of what it feels like. Like mid shower, I was all, I, I had a hot water at the beginning, but like mid shower, I just, pumped it to cold really quick. I just turned off all the hot water. And then I told myself that I was going to sit there and bear it for 10 seconds. And I did. I screamed like a little girl. Maybe not, (laughs) maybe, maybe kind of, it was a kind of a quiet scream, but, but it definitely got my adrenaline pumping and uh, it was an experience. You're on your way. I, yeah, I guess I might. Not for everyone. Definitely not for everyone. Agreed. And not everything has to be for everyone, so I'm not pushing it. <laughs> yeah, and I watched the uh, the TED talk about it too. That was a really, it was a really good TED talk. That was the one that kind of pushed me to to at least give it a shot. Mm-hmm. I forget what the name of the guy is that does the TED talk. Uh, it'll come to me in a second. Okay. Yeah, I watched his TED talk and it was really really good. Um, Okay, so today we're going to be talking about some different environmental questions that many people out there might have. So let's just dive into those right now. These are all questions that uh, that you have posted before on your blog. Are these questions that you've heard often before, or are they ones that you were just kind of brainstorming and thinking about yourself? Both. I mean, certain questions come up all the time, and they come up in different forms. Mm -hmm. By and large... People want to retire, okay, and have to see their kids through college and worry about their 401ks and mortgages and mm-hmm. not have to do any other stuff. They want to fly. They just don't want the exhaust coming out the back. They want to keep living. I, I think most people, this came as a surprise to me. I thought most people would want to be like a Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. But I think most people would rather have someone else take care of that, and then they can just do what everyone else does. Right. Not too hard. Mm-hmm. So I think people are like, how can I keep doing what I'm doing without having the effects that I'm effects I'm having. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's certainly a lot of things that I'm not, that aren't my thing where I feel that way. I think it's pretty human. These questions. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And I think that, I, I don't know the, the concept of change is just difficult for a lot of people. A lot of people just, it, it doesn't even have to do with, necessarily the convenience of it as much as just this is just what i do every day and to change my habits is like it's just bothersome yeah and the way i would say it is that people they have we have beliefs Mm -hmm. and those are pretty hard to change so if i believe that things are going to be just fine and someone else comes by and says the globe is warming and there's going to be sea level rise. It really messes with my, it's going to be just fine. And people generally look for confirming evidence mm-hmm. to keep them in their old belief. And there's plenty of confirming evidence that the earth is still just fine. Mm-hmm. So, and then to get someone to change your beliefs, that's pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. some things actually, I take it back. Cause like I was once a boy and now I, well, I'm still a lot of childlike and boy-like things, but I would call myself a man. Mm-hmm. Now someone would say, well, you did grow and you got older. Well, okay, but my belief changed. So uh, when we, we can change our beliefs very easily. If, 
not just because, I mean, yes, if the earth changes, like I, earlier today, I believed it was daytime. Now mm. I believe it's nighttime. That right. belief changed. <laughs> we can change beliefs when the external circumstances change a lot. If we look for external, external changes, we can find them easily. Right. Like when the, pe- when the pandemic happened, uh-huh. I chose a belief that Nelson Mandela was also locked down for 27 years. And therefore, and he was breaking rocks, uh-huh. did not have Zoom, did not have uh, access to all the world's culture anytime he wanted. Right. So I adopted a belief that I was going to be like him. And now I got a quarter century to go before I'm going to lose. I don't know. I mean, who knows what'll happen between now and a quarter century from now, but in my heart, this is nothing. This is, yeah, it's a challenge, but it's uh, nothing on, on the scale of what he did. And one of my jokes is when he turned 70, still in prison, his birthday event was a global event. <laughs> Over 600 million people participated in it. Right. I still haven't even had 100 million people at one of my birthday parties. And he was <laughs> out in <laughs> You've got a ways to go, Josh. You've got to get yeah. some followers. <laughs> I know. I still got 99 million and more to go. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, then, without any further ado, let's let's jump into some of these questions. And the first one, this one, I feel like it's such a huge question. We could probably spend the whole hour just on this first question, but let's do it. Question number one: How can I live the way I do without polluting? Yeah, I'd like to give like, well, here's a ten-word answer and done. Right. But uh, I think this will be one. This might be one we just talk about because um, I've you see the the changes that I've. I can speak from my own personal experience. I expected my changes to make my life worse, and so I didn't want to go through them. Mm-hmm. And I've told the story, and your listeners probably know. Hopefully, if not, they can look at our past episodes mm-hmm. of you know challenge myself to avoid packaged food, and then challenge myself to not fly. And I thought that these were going to be terrible changes. I, you know, I associated the variety of New York City restaurants, the places I could go all over the world. I've been to six continents flying. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, was a good life. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to give up a good life. Right. When I actually changed, I found a period of disruption, a lot of bland food when I was cooking for myself and before I knew how to cook, uh-huh. and a lot of giving up talks in Europe that I couldn't go to. Right. And not, you remember I was, uh, my sister found the $800 round trip to Tokyo. I could have met you there (laughs) and didn't take her up on that. Right. But then after that, I found that I can cook greater variety and save more money and save more time by cooking myself. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's ended up being a better life though. I kicked in, I dragged myself kicking and screaming into it. Mm-hmm. I was on both sides, pulling and being pulled. Right. So to me, if I'd known, I would have changed a lot earlier. But, you know, leadership is all about, you got to go where the person is, not where you want to, not where you are, where you want them to be, or where you think they should be, or someone else is, where they are. Mm-hmm. And if it looks to the person, like I'm like thousands of years of human progress have led to this moment. I'm at the pinnacle. If anything, I'd want to be like it, like in the future, not in the past. Sure. If that's how you feel, then change is going to look like, oh, I've got to take one for the team. This is going to suck. Right. So then the question. That was me. Sure, go ahead. And now it's not. And now I'm like, what else can I do? Like I'm, you know, one of my latest joys is looking over at my kitchen, the fermenting vegetables. And I love it. And people, fermentation may be what got civilization to start. Right. Like the oldest beverages that we think are mead, honey wine and wine and beer. Uh-huh. It's fermented grains and, and, uh, and fruit right. and wine. So here I'm reverting back, but it's, it tastes so good. And it's so easy. Yeah. I had no idea. And I think that that's one of the ways that I think that we can kind of make a better future is kind of by looking to the past in so many different ways, especially when it comes to environment, because, you know, we, we look at things like technology and we think that, oh, we've, we've come so far and we've accomplished so much. But if you think about it, people who lived thousands of years ago probably lived in a way that was more sustainable than we do today. We probably live less sustainably than 
humans did thousands of years ago. I would say more than thousands. I bet if you could plot, I'm just listening, like if you plot over time, living sustainably, yeah. if you go backward in time, it's going to get more and more sustainable with every bit you go back. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, yeah, I, I don't know if you saw like Bill Gates, there's some stuff about Bill Gates and climate stuff. I guess his book is coming out. Mm-hmm. And he's all like, we got to invest in all this technology and so forth. And it's, I, I, I know the perspective he's coming from because, you know, PhD in physics and building satellites and observing atmospheres and things like that. It just infusion. It just seems like if we just had a clean source of energy, that would solve so many problems. We could desalinate water. We could uh, sequester all the carbon. But the pattern, it just repeats over and over again from the, um, Watt steam engine and the, and Uber mm-hmm. and you know the 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 more that we make transistors use less energy the more mm-hmm. efficient we make them yeah we can do stuff that we couldn't have done before with computers but the internet is using more and more power all the time right Bitcoin alone is like what a whole nation full of energy yeah <laughs> and it's not obvious it's improving anyone's life right yeah. I don't know that, that, that the addition of more technology is always going to equate to us becoming more sustainable. Um, I think that we've had this discussion before, but a lot of those equate more to efficiency changes, correct? More, to me, yeah, making an existing system more efficient, but that existing system is the problem. Right. you got to change the system, not make the system better. Edwards Deming said it really well when he was working with car companies the workers in the factory love mm-hmm. what they do. And if you leave it up to the people in the factory and not just the workers, but the managers all the way up, you know, everyone within the factory, they're going to make the car as well as possible. The reason factories get shut down is usually not because the cars aren't great, mm-hmm. aren't, aren't made well or fast. It's because they're the wrong car for the market. The U S just kept making all these giant Chrome dream boats and the market had shifted toward efficiency and reliability and compact. Right. And if you rely only on the people in the factory, if you rely only on um, making making the, the system as well as possible, you don't mm-hmm. realize that if you need to change the system, that has to come from outside. Right. Demings would say um, it's 95, 96% of the problems are leadership mm-hmm. issues not it's not that the our, our we're more efficient than ever that's not the problem right i mean you've heard me say this many times mm-hmm. um yeah. and so people so back to the original question right people how can I live the way that i'm living if a, if you look at the values as opposed to the specific things that you do i think you can augment your life mm-hmm that's what that's what I found. I'm living. I'm spending more time with family, right? And I have more control over my career. And I'm spending more time in nature. Well, a little less because of the pandemic. But um, well, actually, I don't know. I mean, I count eating food fresh from the farm mm-hmm. as one of my interactions with nature, right? So that's a lot more. Yeah. And I think as we, I mean, you, you, you've had all this going out in the park and picking up litter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that count? Is has that is that it changed your life? So is it like better or worse? Is it different? Is it? I definitely perceive it as being better. Um, it's. I mean, it's a slight change. It's a very very small change that I think gets much bigger, gives much bigger rewards than I think for the for the amount of energy that I have to put into it and a lot of the rewards that come I think have been ones that I didn't expect I think that when I first started picking up trash it felt like all right yeah I'm gonna have to pick up trash here and there and and it'll it'll make the park a little bit cleaner and all that and that part of course that part came true but that wasn't the part that was most rewarding about it the part that really surprised me the benefit that surprised me the most was once i started picking up trash and all of a sudden i started paying more attention 
to my neighborhood. Like before, I didn't, I just, I would go for a walk with my dog. I would just walk and we would walk around. And as soon as I started picking up trash, it forced me to kind of start paying attention to my surroundings and to start looking around and at first just looking for trash. But as I did that, I started to, I didn't even, I didn't even notice this tree was here before. That's a really cool tree. I would walk around and be like, wow, I didn't even notice that this whole area, there's all these flowers that are just growing here, and I never even noticed them before. And as that awareness increased, I also started to feel that sense of stewardship, you know, that sense of like, this is my neighborhood. Like, for the first time, it really, really felt like like the neighborhood was like a home. It, it I almost like developed like an emotional attachment to my neighborhood. I felt responsible for it and I felt proud when it's clean. So that to me And once that switch happened, how did you look at the old way before you noticed these things? It was, it's kind like I would equate it to something like eating with your nose closed, with your nose pinched or something or, or, just walking like blindfolded like that's almost what it feels like is walking down the street and just like you're just not seeing things around you you're going for a walk with the dog to take the dog for a walk and that's it it's like that's what I'm, I'm going for a walk so what would I do I would get my headphones and I'd like listen to music or something as I go and just like find ways to just kind of block all of this out and just like give me something to do thinking that not not being aware that there's so much to do just by being in that moment. The words that come to mind when I hear you are meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. That it gives meaning and purpose to, I mean, in this case, serve others or to beautify, the, beautify your own world. There's some... Um, You know, we learn to be, here's a great place to be efficient, mm. speed reading. Have I talked about speed reading? And uh, You have, but for the sake of anybody who hasn't heard it before, go ahead. Well, let's say that speed reading allows you to finish books faster and say that you get full comprehension, or maybe even better comprehension. A lot of people think, well, I can read, you know, I can get ahead in my career. I can get more done. I can learn more. Mm-hmm. I can get a leg up on the competition. Mm-hmm. Maybe, let's say that works perfectly. Let's say it really does improve your life. Mm-hmm. You don't speed read your kid a bedtime story when you're putting your kid to bed. That's not the place for speed reading. Right. That's the place for reading slow and, and maybe stopping reading to pay attention to the kid. And I think we're putting efficiency all over the place in places where a walk with a dog is... I guess you could speed read it. You could make it maximally efficient. But what did you get a dog for if not to live with a dog? Right. Yeah. And what are we here on? Like people ask me, Josh, how much time do you spend cooking? It must be more. I mean, the short answer is that when I want it to be more, it's more. And when I want it to be less, it's less. If I want to really jam it out and, and cook really quickly, I can just throw it all together. But when someone's over and I'm cooking and it's a social thing, I, I spend more time doing it. Mm-hmm. Food's really important. I mean, it's it's really like it's one of the great joys of life. Yeah. To just go fast food through or do all the way through it is just missing out on something really important. Right. And if you can take the time and and if it's if you can make it an enjoyable experience by kind of really engaging with it, then yeah, absolutely, it can be so fun and rewarding too. Yeah, and a lot of people out there are like, oh, well, you can afford it. I can't, I can't afford it any more than anyone else can. I still got to pay my bills. Right. I found that my costs have dropped faster than my time has dropped. Yeah. And I have more control. Like, I'm less needy. Mm-hmm. I don't think that McDonald's is doing anyone any favors by getting them their product faster. Right. It's making us enjoy food less. And have less time. I think the cause and effect is not people don't have time and therefore they go to McDonald's. I think it's, they go to McDonald's and that changes the lifestyle to be more hurried. Right. I think the cause and effect, most people see the cause and effect backward. Right. As did I most most of the time. Yeah. And buying cheap stuff that, I mean, that's less quality. It's ultimately, there's a financing issue of if you can't afford more, 
But I mean, I have several friends now who are like, I can't afford to buy cheap stuff. It, it doesn't make sense. It's too mm-hmm. expensive. It keeps me locked in. That was in the story of plastic in that movie that we watched. Uh-huh. It talks about how in Europe they sell big thing of shampoo. Whereas in Asia, in a third world economy, they sell little sachets, satchels, sachets, whatever, little plastic containers. Mm-hmm. Each one is significantly cheaper than the big thing. Right. But all of them together, I mean, on the movie, they were showing how much more plastic it produced because it was all packaging that couldn't be, reprodu- uh, couldn't be recycled, even in principle. The shampoo bottle, in principle, could be recycled, although it probably wouldn't be. But also, for, by, per liter, the sachets were much more expensive. Right. So they love to hook you with the little cheap stuff. Like Ikea, stuff that breaks is nowhere near as, like, I mean, my parents have sofas that have been around before I have. Mm-hmm. And they'll be around after I'm gone. Ikea stuff doesn't last that long. Right. It's more expensive. Yeah, if you take the full lifetime of, of an object into account, then yeah, sometimes it definitely, or I don't know, maybe all the time it pays to get a better quality item than it is to get something that is cheaper but low quality. And also low, just less stuff overall. There's mm-hmm. not that many things that you need. Right. I mean, I got a bike, with two couches I got for free, mm-hmm. got a bed which I got from used. I mean, it's... People have gym memberships. I got four kettlebells. I just sold the kettlebell. So it's, it's cool. I had a 25 pounder that I no longer use. I can curl more than that. Uh-huh. So I sold it. It's like, it feels really good to <laughs> put it back in the circulation so someone else can use it. But also it wasn't taking up a lot of space, but I wasn't using it. So now I got a little more space. Yeah. I think that that's um, also another point of uh, place where it's another place where people can kind of change their mindset about things. Like, I feel like so many people have this joy that comes from buying something new, right? And that your old things, it's just like, you just want to get it out of the way. So you just throw it in the garbage and then, all right, it's gone. I don't have to worry about that old thing. And yes, I get to buy a new one, right? But there is a way to find joy in that used object buying cycle, I think. Adding things to that putting things back into that cycle for people who need it and want to use it. And then also buying things that come from there that don't necessarily have the environmental impact of creating it. And looking at things and saying, I remember when I used to want to buy something like that. Now I don't, it's like quitting Facebook. You don't need 5,000 friends. You don't need stuff. Yeah. By the way, did, Oh, I got to tell you, Sorry, listeners, you're going to have to find the link or Eugene will have to post this. Sure. Did you know about this article in the Washington Post about um, uh, this guy who picks up garbage every day and he walks 12 miles a day to, he, he was, there, I put the link in the chat. Sorry, folks at home. Uh, I'll see if I can get it on he, the screen. Go ahead. He started walking to and from work some time ago when he realized he was overweight or something like that. Uh-huh. And during the pandemic, he decided that he's also going to pick up garbage along the way. So it's 12 miles he walks every day. I guess he somehow increased it from five. Yeah. And uh, so I, someone sent me that link. So now you pick up garbage too. So Holy cow. This guy walks 12 miles every day? Yeah. He was doing that regardless of picking up the garbage. Uh-huh. Because he decided to force himself to walk to work because he was overweight huh because he for his own reasons Uh and then he added in the garbage with the pandemic wow oh have you listened to allison's recent episodes i have not i have not listened to one recently no allison so allison may hosts the sustainable life untethered Uh coming out of lancaster england Uh uh-huh and and uh she did a couple episodes that were second episodes with guests who talked about transformations like yours one of hers is this dance instructor who chose to, her commitment was to, I forget exactly what it was. It was to like buy some plants mm-hmm. and now she's got like a forest going. She's <laughs> totally into it. And she loves it. And it's like very enthusiastic. Oh. Then the other guy's a comedian. What was his thing? His was to disconnect from phones, uh, use the phone less. Uh-huh. And he, he became more productive and he doesn't want to do it. And that, that, that inspired Allison to do things back. 
right. also to do more plants and to oh. go with a phone um, disconnect. What do they call it? A phone uh, a digital fast, something uh -huh. like that. Again, reporting that like new stuff. They were talking about why, like, oh, why? They were talking about this addiction that they felt toward the phone. And they didn't pick up. It's not just a phone. They were saying, oh, I feel like I was going to check my feet and so forth. To me, there's people on the other side who spend the finest minds of our generation mm. are being hired to figure out how to hook people, how to get them to want to go to it, uh -huh. how to make you feel craving, uh -huh. satisfy the craving in a way that makes you feel it again. Uh -huh. I can't wait until Allison hits that with flying. I feel like, <laughs> oh, now I see what Josh was talking about. Now, yeah, I, that would be that would be an interesting one to see, if, not just for Allison, but for everybody, including myself. And that's actually probably a good place to actually throw in that question, because that question you do have posted in this list, how can I drive and fly without polluting? Uh -huh. That's a fantastic question, because you are somebody that you haven't flown now for six years. I will start, I'll start year six in just over a month. Okay. And do you, do you own a car? I owned a car for about a year when I was 15 or 16 years old. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was, a, it was an MGB convertible. It was really like a sporty little car. Uh-huh. Not the most reliable thing. I had you about a year. Own... Yeah. And then in that year, a friend of mine, the summer that I bought it, a high school friend of mine, that summer, he rode his bike from the Pacific to the Atlantic across the U.S., and that got me into biking. So a friend of mine and I decided to ride our bikes the following summer, which was the summer between high school and college, uh -huh. to um, from Philadelphia to Maine and back. And in the riding, I was riding to and from school, and the bike didn't break down, and the car did. <laughs> <laughs> and I got into biking and said, I'm never going to buy a car again. And I've, that's part of why I live in New York City. You know, I didn't have to choose to live here. Right. And yeah, I doubt I'll, I have no interest in owning a car. I've rented a car a couple times on travels, but I don't like that. So what do you say to those people that say like, well, Josh, you can, you can go without driving a car because you live in New York where there's subways and you can go without flying because, you know, your kind of work you can do on Zoom and stuff. What do you say to those people usually? Well, what do you want to do about it? Do you want to accept it the way things are? I mean, we're going down the tubes that way. There's no question about what the, what the pollution is happening. It's no question about how it's separating us. And uh, take, I mean, I'm trying to change these things. I've chosen to live the way that I do. It's not that I happen to be in a place where there's a subway. I live in a place where there's a subway because of that. Uh, but, you know, when I visited my friend in LA, I took the train out there, I took the train back. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I mean, I took the train to go to a conference and I stopped in Chicago and so forth. And I was taking the subway in LA too. And the people in LA were like, there's a subway here. <laughs> and so I had to walk like half an hour to, from his place to the subway. And I took the subway out to Silver Lake or something like that, I forget. Uh -huh. But it works. Would I, if I, and I took it from there to, to USC. So, um, I mean, I haven't lived there. But try, I mean, do your best. And there's, I, I, it kills me to, for someone to say that they're helpless to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. If you like cars and driving around and, and you take responsibility for how your behavior affects others, then that's your business. I right. Mean, if you don't take responsibility for it, I, I don't like that externalities aren't factored into the cost of gasoline, for example. I'm, I'm paying for you to drive. Because right. my taxes pay for roads and pay for the military to protect the supply lines. And, you know, no one's paying for the cleanup. I mean, my lungs are paying for the cleanup of, of the air or rather paying the price of not, not being cleaned. Right. Uh, and all the subsidies and things like that is, uh, I mean, you're benefiting from my paying for it. Um, but what do you want to do about it? I mean, do you want to just, keep going down that path then i mean it's a free country that's your business 
I'd rather we didn't rely on cars. It's weird how technology is making us more dependent, more needy, less oh. independent. Right. People are like, oh, I'm free to go and do all these things. I'm like, you're not free if you can't do it yourself. <laughs> That's not. You find that there's more freedom in living the way that you live compared to other people yeah, or mean, your average American. People throughout the ages have said, wealth is not how much you have, it's how little you need. Mm -hmm. If you don't need any more, then you're, then you're free to do a lot of different things. That to me is, is freedom. Mm -hmm. I'm still growing, not materially. I'm growing more, I don't know, maybe my net worth is greater now than before, but that's not what I really think about. It's like my skill, my social and emotional skills, that's where my life really improves. I mean, to live your life just looking at the material things, but just the meaning of those things. Mm -hmm. The meaning of, of this, what emotions come out. If it's craving and neediness, and I can't do this. Oh, you can do that, but I can't do that. What's that saying? Right. If you, all these things you can't do. I can't help but hurt people. Right. You can't say... I you... can't stop hurting these people. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to hurt them, but, you know, it's... it's um. When they say, you know, by your fruits, by the fruits, you shall know them. It's not just the fruits that you want. It's all of them. Mm -hmm. And if you say, I only want, I, I didn't want those side effects. Okay, well, if, if you can't stop them, they're still yours. Right. And, but to take responsibility for that is not a problem. That's, if it connects you with others, that's actually, if you take responsibility for it, you can that connect connects you with others. That's where meaning and purpose is. It's really our relationship with the inanimate objects. I don't think is that meaningful. Mm -hmm. So take so responsibility you for your actions and then take action. Yeah. And, and get your value and see where the value in your life is coming from. Where, where the, I mean, a, a cheap little quick gift or piece of candy will give you pleasure. It will be fleeting a relationship with someone that will give you meaning and purpose and it will endure. Mm -hmm. If you want that, there's no upper limit on that that you can get. Right. And it doesn't cost a lot. It doesn't pollute. Hmm. The value of travel. When I rode my bike up to Bear Mountain, 50 miles away from here, hmm. the state park, that was as great an experience of travel as flying somewhere. But the amount of pollution caused by it, I mean, the bike has some pollution embedded in it. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'd burn more calories than it would have otherwise. So I had to eat a little more food and compare that to the flight. It's like nothing. Right. And I mean, what you want from travel, you can get, what you want from flying, you can get from other things if you try. Right. And if something's really far away, like your, like your family's on the other coast, travel moved you apart in the first place. If you love people, live closer to them. Right. Huh. Yeah, it takes years to change that part of your life. But solving problems together with someone can bring you closer than if the spending time is like, Oh, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, I love what you've done for the place. Okay. See you next year. <laughs> that may be less, that may make you less close to someone than struggling to figure out how to move back closer to each other or mm -hmm. figure out how to strengthen those bonds. So is this why, always when you are like say on your podcast when you're looking to get people to you know to take on these challenges to make changes to that, their life you start by their values right you start by examining their values or helping them to examine their own values yes making them feel comfortable sharing them or prompting them to share them and then making them feel comfortable sharing them mm -hmm. most of the time they seem to really like it i think most people Listen to this, if they're pushing back, they're thinking, ah, he doesn't understand, maybe I don't. But that's probably because you want to share what the environment means to you, what nature means to you. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think that anyone doesn't care about the environment. Right. I can't stand when someone says, oh, so-and-so, they just, they, you know, they're so greedy. They don't care about the environment. Of course they care about it. Everyone cares. It's just because they're not acting the way that you want them to, or you think, you know, again, leadership is, you got to, how does it look to them? Right. I would guess that the CEO of Exxon, who I've never met, mm-hmm. I would guess he believes that fossil fuels are a way to progress and burning them improves people's lives. Mm-hmm. And therefore we should keep drilling. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. I doubt he's saying, you know, this, this, is hurting a lot of, this is hurting a lot of people, but they're not shareholders. So I, I don't care. Right. Now that is what he's thinking. Right. And to the extent he is, so is everyone else in the United States. <laughs> Just they have, they're, they don't, they're not as rich and powerful as him, but they're doing it on, on their scale. Right. So for people then at home. Oh, wait, who, and, and he's probably sure. saying when he, if he did want to change Exxon, let's say he really did, he probably would get fired by the board if he made big changes. And he's probably thinking, oh, you can change, but I can't. Right. He's probably thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> yep. So what would you recommend? No, that's okay. I was just going to ask, what do you recommend? So in your case, on your podcast, you walk people through this process. You kind of explore their values together with them. What would you suggest for somebody who maybe has not had a conversation with you? How can people get to know themselves better? Because I feel like a lot of people out there are probably like, oh, yeah, 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 I have values. I have values. But if you really asked them like, you know, what their values are, they probably haven't actually spent that much time thinking about them themselves and really getting to know themselves and their own values. What would you suggest, maybe like an exercise or something that people could do to just start to become a, a, more aware of their own values? Here's something I don't recommend. A simple base is just reflecting or even meditating on it. Mm-hmm. Because something about interacting with others or action seems necessary mm-hmm. that if you don't pit one value against another, you, like everyone values community and everyone values family, but what do you do when you have to pick one over the other? Like, um, you know, do I go with my, with my, what my sister wants me to do, or do I do what my neighbor wants me to do? And if they're in conflict, sometimes you pick one, sometimes you pick the other. That's the only way to know what you, that's in, in with regard to behavior, with mm-hmm. regard to talking it out with people, when I ask people, what, what do you think about when you think about the environment? They always answer with the cocktail party answer. It's always, you know, my kids or it's, you know, the future or children, or I think about the dolphins. Mm. And unless they actually have themselves swim with the dolphins, the dolphins talk is really just like, it's what, it's a mix of how they feel and how they want to present themselves to the rest of the world. Right. And they don't want to get judged so that's why the exercise, I think as much as I'd like, I wish people could just sit and think and think, what do I really think about with the environment? Maybe you could get there by, by yourself and really sit down with someone else and have them ask you, what do you think about when you think about the environment? What does the environment mean to you? And when you answer them, make sure that they say, you know, they ask you to confirm or to, cl- to confirm their understanding or clarify mm-hmm. and keep going. I guess my method is to ask confirming and clarifying questions until I get to an, an emotion that I also feel right. That I know that emotion, that feeling. Mm-hmm. And, but um, you know, another common structure of looking at it is like five whys will usually get to something at the root. Ah. So if someone says kids and you say, well, what about kids? And you say, well, I want them to have a better future. Why? Well, cause things are getting bad. Oh, why? Cause we're burning all these fossil fuels. Why? Because I don't know where it'll go for different people. Right. But um, having someone, and, and if the person judges you or laughs at you or, or misunderstands you on purpose, or that shuts people down. Right. The questioner has to be supportive and non-judgmental. Uh-huh. So, you know, my first TEDx talk describes the process and any of our podcast, any, any of my podcasts with a guest will reveal will show the process a few times. Mm-hmm. And 
you and Alison and Nicola, well, Nicola often does it in Italian and Andreas usually does it in Swedish. So you guys do it in English. So the, you guys are doing the structure more like by the book. Uh-huh. I'm throwing more, um, I've done it long enough that I, I, I throw embellishments in and things that, and that satisfy my curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, so listening to your episodes might be more um, instructive for someone who hasn't done it before. Mm-hmm. And the other is once you get something is to act on it. Mm-hmm. And if there's something that like, maybe it's not acting on your deepest value. If, if you read something that says, here's 10 little things you can do for the environment. One of them is like avoiding straws for a week. And you don't really care about straws. You could try. Uh-huh. It might not make much of a difference. It might. But if you got something that you're like, you know, I've been meaning to, um, um, I don't know, maybe you've been thinking about animal cruelty and uh-huh. you also know that that has something to do with the environment. Maybe, and if you've been thinking about being vegan for a week, if it's meaningful in some way, give it a shot and you might have the effect, you might get the effect that you, Eugene, talked about earlier when you were or picking up garbage, maybe they've been listening to you and thinking, oh, Eugene's been doing it. He seems to be getting something out of it. Maybe there's something to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And if it's really driven by a curiosity as opposed to an imposition, mm-hmm. if someone's like, ah, oh, you're such a terrible person, all that plastic you're using, stop. That doesn't, then you might be doing out of compliance. But if you're like, huh, what, what's Eugene talking about? The park sounds, he, he's like, the park is more his. He's seen things more. Right. I want to get that. Give that a shot. Right. That action might lead to something. Right. Those are the two things. Have someone ask you the questions and you ask them the questions. You know, what is the environment to you? And then confirm and clarify until you mm-hmm. get something really meaningful. Right. Or act on something that you're curious about or have some other intrinsic motivation driving you toward testing it out. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, actually, I had never really even thought about doing that as a potential daily, but I could actually, if you don't mind, like walk people through the step-by-step how to do your oh, yeah. methodology. I think that would actually make for a really great episode. You know what would help a lot? Give them that technique a name. I always call it the Spodek method. I don't know. The method? That's what I've been calling it. Like on, on Anytime I've ever mentioned it on the daily or anything, I always just call it the Spodek method. But uh, if you want to give it a name... You're welcome. It to has a certain appeal to me as a Spodek myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, since you came up with it, I, I felt like that was only fitting. The Spodek method. Yeah, I feel like four questions. Might, the, if the number four is in there, the Spodek four question method. There you go. And of course, as a geek, there's a step zero. So it's really five. <laughs> right. But, um, but that zero doesn't really count. All right. Spodek four. Yeah. Spodek method. Yeah. Well, for anyone out there listening who wants to learn more about that, maybe look for a future episode where I'll talk about the Spodek four-step method. And then maybe after I do that, we can have you on again and you can tell me how my explanation was and if there's anything that I missed. Well, I think the Spodek four, the Spodek four, the Spodek four, the four, the Spodek four-step method would be the long way and the Spodek four might be the short way. <laughs> So I think the Spodek 4, I would love to see that sweep across the world and become like, there's a Marie, you know, does this spark joy? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other things like that? There's the 10,000 hour rules kind of mm-hmm. feel like, oh, I got to put my 10,000 hours to be an expert at X. Right. Um, what are some other things that are like that, that? What else does exist out there? Oh, there's um, Michael Pollan, Eat Food mostly plants not too much yep from intensive food yep i have heard that one um there's avoid doof is mine that's i've condensed that to two words there you go that's another episode that i would love to do soon i keep telling myself i need to do an episode where i explain people to people your concept of doof hmm. that would be a great yeah episode. that's a good one I, I, and what else are some things that are out there that are techniques uh it, Food should have no more than five ingredients. Mm-hmm. People follow that one. Um, yeah, there's got to be a bunch out there. Wine before liquor, you'll be sicker. <laughs> there you go. For our, for our college-age friends out there. Right. Well, we'll need to come up with a catchier name, maybe. The thing is, if, if, like, if people do this, it, 
I dream of it catching on virally because if you do it, like you have, you want to teach it to others because mm-hmm. of what it's given you. Right. There's no cost. There's no, and it's social. So you do it. If you do it, it really works well with a husband and a wife. Mm-hmm. It works well with parents and kids. It works well with neighbors. If it spreads, I mean, people could, it could be, you know, a cultural shift. Right. I'm trying to, was there something like that with the civil rights movement or um, Gandhi selling the salt? I don't think many people, did people, you know, the, the, the British set up a monopoly on selling salt. So he uh-huh. went and evaporated some seawater and sold salt. And how can you make that illegal? <laughs> Great symbolism. Uh-huh. I don't know if people started selling salt all over the world, all over the country that way. Mm-hmm. But I'd love for it to catch on for the effect that it has. The social, natural, meaning and values improving, increasing. Yeah. I mean, I think that for me, a big part of it is just taking that time to process and to think about what your own values are, or maybe not talk about it, but or think about it, but talk about it and work all up all the details of your own values and your own morals is it, it just be kind of becomes a guiding compass for your life. That is, it gives you a sense of direction in your life that I really, really enjoy. (laughs) It restores a value that we've been shoving down for a long time, shoving out nature in favor of efficiency. Mm -hmm. And Nature feels really good. I mean, I have to imagine that over a couple hundred thousand years or really a couple million or billion years of evolution that there's a lot of wiring that's pretty set to like mm-hmm. trees and a cool breeze, a light snowfall in the winter mm-hmm. or um, the birds chirping in the summer and the flowers coming out and blooming and smelling sweet. It's tough to beat that, man. I mean, it's possible that if we lived in a world with, you know what? I've talked about vertical farming and what would happen to Hawaii if, you know, if we go pure efficiency, then there's going to be no Hawaii left. It's just going to be like high rises everywhere. Did I, did I, I've simplified that. Have you? If we stick with this process that turns farming into vertical farming, what we're really going to do is we are, that process will vertical farm us. Huh. You will be in the vertical farms. I mean, not farms, but you know, will we'll vertical the, the process that turns crops into vertical farms will turn people's community into vertical, and we'll just live in buildings all the time, just like the plants do. Right. It's just it getting... might be a better life. It's possible. I, I doubt <laughs> it. I mean, we can have images of flowers and trees. Like, did you see Face Off? Uh, I did. I have. Yeah. You remember in the prison, they had like big scenes of flowers. Right. I guess that these prisoners were stuck on some, what was it? It was like a, um, it was like an oil rig that had been turned into uh-huh. a prison. Yeah. So we'll I mean, just be like that except houses. You get Wally, right? <laughs> if you've seen the movie yeah. Wally, then that's that's what you get at the end of of just making a life that is so efficient and so convenient for you. You get a life that kind of looks like the people in Wally. Yeah, except instead of moving around by those vehicle things that kept that they just stood in like slugs. Yeah, they wouldn't move around. They would actually just stay in one place, and food would be brought to them, and I don't know, food would just get shoveled in. You get and, your three D headset on, and yeah, and so we we we're doing it. Like we're communicating this way. It would be like that, but even with just people next door, you. Huh. And they'd probably feel like, oh, this is great. I can communicate with everyone all around the world. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't feel the touch, look in their eyes of a lover, their children crying, waking them up in the middle of the night. Yeah. The dog puking on the carpet. They'd be like, oh, good. I never have to do that again. Right. <laughs> yeah. And they'd say how much better it was. Yeah, that's got to be a big shift that... You have to hope 
eventually people are gonna make in their minds eventually people will make that connection and realize that maybe that's not the direction i want to go i want to believe that everybody when they hear that would go oh i don't want to go in that direction well the thing is we take little baby steps there and each step makes sense Mm -hmm. i mean no one when they got facebook was thinking let's let's undermine democracy and go in the direction of like um it, it seems to pull people into extremism. Right. No one said, no one asked for that. We just slept walk our way into it. Mm-hmm. Sleepwalked. Yeah. Listen to Allison's episodes, the recent two, they, cause you can hear them. Like when the guy stopped using his phone, he's just like, I just started picking up on all the stuff around me. I became more efficient, not efficient, effective, getting more stuff done. Right. And realizing how much I was missing. And it, it, there's nothing special about that guy. I mean, of course he's a special guy, uh-huh. but Every, the same effect with everyone, but no one, you have to deliberately consciously get that. So this technique does that. It'll bring it out in one area and then you'll probably feel like, oh, I can do it in other areas too. But there's no different than Buddha thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would talk about meditation, but also like right livelihood and stuff like that. Uh-huh. I mean, the four noble truths were what? There's, there's suffering in the world. There's a way out. And the way out is the eightfold path. And so this is just, one part of that mm-hmm. if that's one way of looking at it yeah i wonder if we ever get to kind of a balance point does do people ever naturally reach a point at which technology has come enough that we have enough convenience like we feel satisfied with this level of convenience and we don't want to go further i wonder if there's any kind of natural balance point there or will it just be constantly these baby steps of just getting slightly more convenient, slightly more efficient until we're in the Wally world? <laughs> if we if we don't change the system, the system right now are value the, the values that our system embodies. Mm-hmm. Material growth, externalizing costs, um, extraction, mm-hmm. comfort and convenience. Um, efficiency. Mm-hmm. Those, if we stay in that system, we'll inexorably be pulled in that direction of always more, always more convenient, always more comfortable. Mm-hmm. But the other direction, the the values that I've found in my life that I think we would like more is instead of material growth, still personal growth, but enjoying what you have mm-hmm. instead of externalizing costs, taking responsibility for how your behavior affects others, stewardship mm-hmm. instead of, um, extraction, appreciation of things, how they are leaving the stuff on the ground mm-hmm. instead of comfort and convenience, meaning and purpose, the satisfaction of a job well done. It takes more energy, but I, you know, after exercising, I feel better about what I just spent my time doing than after watching, binge watching some show. Right. And instead of efficiency, resilience. Mm-hmm. If you pick those sets, of the ones, the second set of values, I believe that you will adopt technology as much as, as much as it benefits your life, but not, you'll evaluate it based on how much meaning and purpose it brings. Right tempering it with how much it affects others. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it helps others, you'll adopt it faster. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I belong to a food co-op and I shop at a lot of farmer's markets. Mm -hmm. It's not a technology, but it's like, I love those places so much more than Whole Foods or any other market. They're just, they're full of doof. (laughs) Yeah. There's a little bit of doof. Is there doof? I mean, at the farmer's market, so yeah, it's stuff that I might not buy. There's a lot of locally made um, alcohols and locally made cheeses, which I'm not really buying. Uh-huh. But mostly it's fresh fruits and vegetables. And you meet the farmer. Yeah. Whole Foods is like, there's probably, if you weighed all of edible parts and all the packaging, it's probably more packaging than edible. <laughs> you might be right about that. And Trader Joe's is like more so. Yeah. Yeah, so I. Publix or Rashidi's or all the other ones, uh, 
same thing. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me like the the answer to all of these questions is to just stop being complacent and to stop waiting on technology and other external things to make your life better. You have to get out there. You have to start taking action, start making changes in your life to make your life more in line with your own values and your own thoughts and your own morals so that you enjoy the life you live. I would say all of what you just said, but in the opposite order, you, st- you, you started with stop this, stop that, but it's hard mm-hmm. to stop things. Mm-hmm. You ended with values. I would st- start with the values. Mm-hmm. And if you want to live your life, like what about the life is worth living? What are the values? If you want to travel, what is it about the travel that you're looking for? Mm-hmm. You, it's probably not simply miles gone because if you get in an airplane and go 10,000 miles, but where you go to is just like where you are now. It's just like some luxury hotel. What really do you want? Do you want cultural exchange, cuisine, connecting with other people? You can get those things. It's of course, it's easier to swim downstream in a culture that's that way, but you don't have to. And there's other, you know, Marco Polo is pretty well known for traveling. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about, I was thinking about, um, something about the framers of the constitution. And I kept noticing like how much Ben Franklin and Jefferson were in France and England. Like there was a lot of travel. (laughs) And I mean, forget about not having airplanes. Our boats today are much faster, much more, the sailboats just alone are more faster and more efficient and Uh more, um, um, I'm sure they're more stable and more, uh, less risky. Uh They were getting around and so why can't we, you know, anyway, so um, start with the values and then live them. That may take, that may take some struggle. Yes. Mm-hmm. It will, for almost everyone, it'll take some struggle, but the first time you do it will be the most amount of struggle. The next time less, the next time less, the next time less. And then at a certain point you'll get to what, where you ended with stop doing X, stop doing Y. And you'll, and you'll look at things and say, why am I doing this? Stop, stop <laughs> buying stupid stuff. Right. Stop substituting stop speed reading to your kid at night Mm -hmm. writ large right yeah i liked very much your suggestion about the just asking yourself why you you think you enjoy the things you do because i think that that's something that probably most people don't do when you ask like what do you like to do they say oh i like travel right and so they just have this thing in their head of just like travel travel's the thing i like But you're right. If you ask yourself, why do you like travel? Why do I like travel? What is it about travel I like? And do I really, really have to get on a plane to get that? Because travel alone doesn't automatically mean you're going to have a happier life. Yeah, if you ask a heroin user what they like, they like using heroin. Right. And if you ask a sugar addict what they like, they'll say candy. Right. People have kicked heroin and kicked candy and now like exercise and a healthy diet and regular sleep and earning their living. Mm. They probably like that more. Right. Even though it doesn't give them the jolt, mm-hmm. the predictable jolt that works every time and is very powerful. Right. Sugar or heroin, cocaine or sex or. <laughs> I, I presume that some people are addicted to sex. I, I don't mean people have a healthy relationship with any of these things. Right. I mean, morphine is important if you get in surgery or whatever, you know, it's doctors use it for something. Sure. So then sugar, when it's in fruit, I can't wait. I got these pomegranates over here. Yeah. Oh, pomegranates. I love pomegranates. So good. But yes. So find your values. Dig deep. Don't through questions and action. Right through questions through, and action. Through relationship, through interactive, you know, conversation with someone non-judgmental and supportive. Right, and get deeper than just I like travel, <laughs> and then act on them. 
Very nice. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, and listen to listen to Eugene's podcasts. <laughs> That's Hear right. Him doing it with I I only have a handful of episodes so far. So uh, on the contrary, listen to Josh's email podcast. Email to do more episodes. Yes. Yeah. That's definitely one of my goals. And if and if you've listened to all two of my podcasts, then listen to Josh's podcast. Josh, where can they find your podcasts and more information on you? JoshuaSpodek.com and then slash podcast, but there's a little you can click in the upper right corner too. Sure. And that is a place and where you guys can buy go. the books and the books. Leadership step by step and initiative. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm actually I'm working through leadership right now. I'm not actually going to try any of the exercises yet until I finish with initiative, but I'm just reading through leadership step by step too because yeah, it's 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 a good fun enlightening read that is not at all difficult to read and it's I do want to get through those exercises eventually because I think that that exercises just, are really value. Yeah. Yeah, they seem very 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 valuable. So yes, everybody be sure to go check out Joshua Spodek his books, his website and blog, and his podcast, where he interviews a lot of really, really great people, probably very, very well-known people that a lot of you will know, and gets them to act on their own values and to live more sustainably. Thanks so much, yeah, Josh. Allison's, yeah, Allison's too. If you speak Italian and or, and or Swedish, then uh, Nicola's or, and or uh, Andreas's. Yep. I'll be sure to include links to all of them down in the description box below. So, uh, Josh, thanks so much for coming on today. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you.